Unorthodox Haven will cover a wide range of topics to offer unique perspectives pushing back on conventional wisdom. We hope to inspire self-discovery over emulation. We believe you should think outside the box, regardless of what it looks or sounds like to others. Here at Unorthodox Haven, there's no right or wrong answer, just your own unique perspective. There it is. I, um, shit, what, what were we just talking about? Oh, so you, yo, you watch this uh, podcast? Uh, I've seen like two episodes of it. You know, um, it's just something that caught my attention through the through the explore page. You know, and, you like uh, it? It's cool. It's cool. You know, it's it's entertaining for what it is. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't just like give it more credit than it's due. I want to give it time to develop. Yeah. And, you know, but um, I like the potential of it. I do. I, I think um, you know, it's a it's a different angle from what we used to and. Does Cam curse on him? Not Cam, but uh, Mace. Is, is he? Nah, he don't really do too much. Um, I mean, I can't really just say he just don't curse, but I haven't really like heard him just curse in a way that was memorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I know he was on a religious tip. I just wanted if he was still keeping that same energy. Or... I, I, I think it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, I think it's pretty clean in that regard. I know Cam. You know, he's still Cam, but um... yeah, that's, that's that's what I was saying. Like sitting across from Cam. A person mm-hmm. like to talk like Cam versus somebody that, probably, yeah. you know what I'm saying, don't want to talk like that at all. I, I wonder agree. how that dynamic is. If you wonder it's, what it's we're talking about. It's actually pretty good because they was friends from, from jump. From you know? jump, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Don't, it don't feel like a business, like a Shay uh, Shay and right. Shannon Sharp and Skip yeah, yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of relationship. This is something different. I feel you on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what you about to say, Pizzo? I was saying, if you wonder what we're talking about, we're talking about It Is What It Is podcast with Cam and... And Mace, and Mace. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those who don't wonder Like what are they talking about Yeah that's what we talking about A new podcast It is what it is Yeah like I, I, like I was telling Pizzo Before you came in here y'all, I was like I don't like the set mm-hmm. But but again Like I, I want to like Preference that opinion That's just my own Personal opinion You know what I'm saying Yeah it, it, the set is very contrived You know it's not I mean, I get the pink and the blue. You know, I'm sure Cameron has some some a reason, to do right? Yeah. It, yeah, marketing probably it probably makes sense to the vision of the branding and all that stuff. But, but to me, it just come across like a little wonky. Like yeah, little, they, it's it's like they're trying to appeal to a crowd that isn't right. isn't really their fan base. Ex- yet. Exactly, like mm-hmm. that look. It, it looks like it would be something outside of hip hop, and somebody sitting around saying, "This nigga did this." You right. know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like it, it, it don't right. fit. It don't feel right. like a line. Right, yeah, man. Again, I would have preferred more like an an urban landscape, you know, something that's more like Harlem. You know, they could have brought it all the way home. Right, I I, I agree. I think they could have definitely personalized it a little bit more. But you know, pink is his color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cam, that's that's he the one made pink famous. You you could say that. But for for men, for men. But he he could have incorporated pink in a Harlem way. This feels like. Cheesy, cheesy to me. Yeah, it does. You know what I'm saying? It, it feels does. like a spoof almost. It feels like a, a newscast spoof. You know what I'm saying? Like a, if you if it was like a spoof for like um, the Chappelle show. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like newscasters that's dressed up like newscaster, but get on there and just talk some old like nigga. Yeah, yeah, some nigga shit. Right, right. Yeah, I like how the um, the, the uh, million dollars worth of game approaches. You know, they kind of just shoot wherever they are. Yep, right. Like just keep it original. <laughs> right. For sure, um, for I sure. think I think the set, you know, the set is probably you know one of the one of my least favorite uh, things about it. Yeah, maybe I need I need to listen to the podcast and try to like listen to it strictly audio and mm-hmm. not listen, not watch it. Because I think if I watch it, it's gonna 
it might be too off-putting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 To me. So maybe right. I need to hear the conversations and see if it's like, all right, maybe I can listen to this. Yeah. I've seen a, uh, something came on my feed on my timeline where there was a couple people who was applauding it the uh, podcast they were saying it's the next it's the next big thing and all that so mm-hmm. and I heard their numbers are climbing so we'll see you know I, I, in this moment I'm sitting here realizing how much optics matter like a visual optics matter because I can't even visually get with that just by how it looks right like you know right. what I'm saying million dollar for game I can say I, I was willing to listen to it based mm-hmm. on what I saw Mm-hmm. If I see this, I ain't even really digested the whole episode. I'm just like, I don't think. Yeah, that's I never. Me. I yeah, never it doesn't give it. you like that drink champs kind of atmosphere. Exactly. You know, it, the atmosphere don't fit the the culture. Don't fit the uh, content. Yeah, maybe sure. they wanted to go the opposite direction. That's yeah. something that Cam, you know, he always want to go yep. against the grain. That's true. So maybe he he strategically said, "Yo, let's do totally opposite of what people think we're gonna do. Let's dress up. They don't think we're gonna do that." Let's mm-hmm. you know make a have a contrived set. They don't think we're gonna do that. So yeah, I mean yeah, I agree. It, again, I got before you came here again. I was giving Cam. I said, yo, I think he's a genius businessman, marketer. Mm-hmm. To be able to be in the game for this long should be applauded. But it's just you know what I'm saying. But again, we just talking about our personal opinions on this particular visual of this new podcast. But again, maybe I need to listen to it and give it a shot before I. Yeah, yeah, shoot it I think you know it's it's all about how you um, how you approach it. You know, I I look at it more as like a comic relief kind of mm. thing. You know, mm. I'm not going into it like looking at it like deep conversation, seeking, seeking knowledge for sure. You know, it's just more. It, it seems more uh, comedic. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> somewhat um, the real uh, barbershop talk. You know, the way the cam come off and the, you know he just uh, you know kind of cursing or whatever. It is. It's it the barbershop. It's not like. The LeBron, that's like the clean PG version mm-hmm. of the barbershop. Mm-hmm. But you know, in the barbershop, is you know, vulgar language. You know, pretty yeah, much they're the not whole... afraid to cross those lines. <laughs> right. that, you know that society deems as offensive. Right. For sure. All right, so well, even like, let's talk about that mm-hmm. with the society shit. Because I feel like it, it used to be a certain way. I think it's like a pendulum. Mm-hmm. Like it swings. Like we get to a, a way in society where everything is okay. Mm-hmm. You look back a couple like Blue Chips. You familiar with the show Blue Chips? Uh, with the the motorcycle cops? Yeah. You ever yeah. seen that show? Yeah. So, but they used to push the limits hard, like with racism, with sexism. Mm-hmm. The same way Chappelle, though, Chappelle show did back in the day. Yep. Another one I'm going to give you, too, is um, Married with Children. Mm-hmm. Al Bundy. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of yeah. carried on that Archie Bunker. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For a new generation. Tread, and, tread those lines. You know, yeah. they didn't care who they really offended, you mm-hmm. know? So, I guess, how do you... Wow, I never thought about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, nah. I ain't never, I never thought to compare those two, but since you said it, mm-hmm. he is like an Archie Bunker. Damn, yeah. that's crazy. Yep. He, he played that 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 outcast role. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I guess where we are now, if everybody's so sensitive about everything. Yep, and and it seems like <clears throat> it's 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 really kind of it's 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 different because. Expression is like the new form of freedom, but at the same time, you have to be careful how, what you express because mm-hmm. it can be offensive. So you're really kind of confined, but at the same time, the freedom of it is the is the expression in itself. Let me, let me. I guess the the whole thing about being condemned or or canceled, whatever you want to, whatever, whatever label you put on, is that real? Cancel culture. I think it exists within the environment of the subject matter. 
So I, like, I don't think you can cancel a comedian for something that you know they're that's that's outside of their um, direct audience. Okay, you know what I mean. Like you, you really have to kind of piss off your core to really be canceled. Like if you're canceling, if you're canceled by somebody that don't affect your bottom line, then mm-hmm. it's not real. It's not real cancel. So I guess so. Should you even worry about treading the line? Like I guess. So how did that that factor into the cancel culture today? Um, again, I think it's a it's it's like a duality there because the the provocativeness can bring an audience mm-hmm. as well as push another audience away. For sure. Mm-hmm. So should you care? So I, I think you should definitely just stay true to who you are and and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I think you should just leave whoever this. you know whoever sticks with you is your audience and whoever is offended by your your uh thought process is not not for your audience so it's really like a, a filtration system for sure so so but where the where's the blurred line between just doing good business and like being like have a good social presence because example would be and if you walk into a business meeting right with somebody mm-hmm. that could pay you millions of dollars mm-hmm. you're going to walk in with a certain you're going to talk a little different you know what i mean going there a little bit more professional you're not going to same bring the same energy as someone hiring you for a 50 dollar gig i think that you have to definitely cater your delivery to the audience but you can still be yourself within that and you know as long as you have a moral compass you'll know what buttons not to push. You got to read the room. Yeah, I'm about to say, should, should you be able to be different people in different rooms? You just got to read the room and be water. You got to be water. I like Bruce Lee, how Bruce Lee put it. He said you got to be water. You got to be, so So again, so do you be yourself or do you actually change based on the room? I think you adapt. And I don't think adapting is um, is not being yourself. I don't think adapting is not being yourself. For sure. So I, I think you should definitely adapt to whatever the scenario is and not because if you go in there hard line one direction, you might be putting in putting it out a kind of energy that is not necessary mm-hmm. and may, you know, push somebody necessarily away. Yeah. So, you know, you kinda just have to read the room. And, read the room. And, and, exactly. and go with what you know, with, with, you can still stay within the confines of who you are, but still, you know, yep, still read the room. So I think I think that's important. Mm-hmm. That's important conversation for some of these young people to hear, because mm-hmm. I think that keeping a real thing can go a little bit too far. I think it's it's keeping like ninety percent. Yeah, yeah, it's like ninety percent true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you still got to be yourself, but you like you say, got to be able to read the room and be yourself and still communicate effectively in these rooms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you walk into a room talking slang to a bunch of people that don't understand it. You gonna walk out of there and they're gonna be like, yo, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? And that's just life and death. I mean, even uh, even us as black men, you know, like um I would I would give an example of uh just an encounter with the police. Mm-hmm. You gotta read the room. You know, what I mean, officer walks up on you, he comes in hot, you know, guns blazing, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta chill. You know what I'm saying? If you wanna go home. If you wanna mm-hmm. go home, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not really it's not really a place for us to to do too much in that situation. I think people objectively know that. I think fear takes over though. Especially fear for us because our fear shows up as aggression, mm-hmm. fight back, you know what I'm saying? Anxiety. Anxiety as well. so that mm-hmm. like our but our trigger is to fight, stand up, be the man or you know what I mean, protector. And mm-hmm. I think that's our natural instinct to like when you're scared, you go there. 
Right. But that's that don't work in that situation. That can go real bad for you. Yeah, that's why, you know, they put out disclaimers like, don't try this at home. Yeah, real <laughs> talk. You know, a lot of times we see stuff on the internet and then, you know, it, it's like certain people can get away with this crime or mm. get get away with this uh, type of behavior. Yep. But, you know, us. We can't. As in me and you, we, yeah. can, we can't pull that off. I, right. I was I had a conversation with a uh, with a white person. This was years ago, but we were talking about uh, getting pulled over, mm-hmm. into the fact that I had to, I had to like tell him like, look, man, it's 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 different for me even driving through driving anywhere because you can drive through a neighborhood and go five miles over the speed limit, and your care in the world could be totally different because you're thinking that oh, if I get pulled over, you know what I'm saying, five, he's gonna give me a ticket. Mm-hmm. For me. If if he see me doing five miles over, he might pull me over just because optically what he see, mm-hmm. and not you know what I'm saying so that the game is and they can go way left for me, and the traffic stops. So even that small thing of just having the 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 care of not being profiled, you know what I mean? Shit going way left. How we have so many examples of. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a different um a different experience. You know, that just speaks to the experience that different type of people have. Yeah, man, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard being a black man out here for sure. It's definitely hard being yeah. a black man. It's lit, but it's yeah, it's, it's, dangerous. It's, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah it's dangerous. <laughs> for sure. Like it's we we have we have uh we have black privilege. Is it we have privilege? Yes. You know what I mean? There's such thing as white privilege. Yes. There's such thing as black privilege, mm-hmm. female privilege, male privilege. I think yeah. everybody have their own set of privileges. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Um, and I don't think there's a, you know what I mean? I think that when we hear white privilege, we put a negative connotation on it automatically. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know what I mean? Because what we know about when you think about oh, the history of white people, for us, we, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. one thing that hits the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Is, you know what I mean? How we would treat it, how our people would treat it. But think how many things that we have to encounter to be able to live, right? So we might see a group of, um, black young teenagers walking down the street mm-hmm. you're gonna be like do I stay on this side of the street or do I get over cause you don't trust right. you know what I'm saying right. then you might see you know. a white group of guys <clears throat> mm-hmm. walking down the street then you wonder are these rednecks <laughs> or are these you know what I'm saying yep. these type of guys it's a different fear yeah, yeah so it's multiple fears you know what I'm saying so we always have to keep our heads on a on a, on a swivel we always have to yeah and I always also consider the certain things that can happen that has the potential of happening just like that. For yeah. sure. She can go left real fast. You know, with us being in the South, um, Roy Woods Jr. made a good a good uh, joke. He said, if we get rid of the Confederate flag, how are we going to know who the good white people are? Right. <laughs> yeah. For real? For real? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, think about it. It's like that. It's like the warning sign, you know. On on the, it's like the Surgeon General's warning on the pack of cigarettes. I, I think. I think the the other kind of racism is even scarier. It's oh, the, the it's, hidden. It's the covert. The you hidden. Know what I'm saying? Oh, Not the yeah. over. The over. Yeah. I I like the over. Me too. I, I, I like when I can I can oh, know or I can see that you're racist. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I can then I can put you in a box and move accordingly in the situation. But if I don't know. It can get a little tricky out here. Mm-hmm. Very tricky. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I got white friends. You know what I mean? I got white people who's yeah. cool. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I, I try not to put that first, you know what I mean? Put that block on, you know what I mean? Before I interact with them, but. Yeah, I only go off thing. what you show me. 
Yeah, I only go off of what you show me. Yep. You know, and then, you know, there's certain microaggressions that sometimes white people just, mm. they think we may have come a little bit farther along than we actually have. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I had a white friend, um, best my, one of my best friends to this day, um, but, you know, at his wedding, his boutonniere was uh, cotton. <laughs> His boutonniere was a a, a a a flower of cotton. Yeah, yeah, for like sure. a yeah. bloom of cotton. Mm-hmm. And so you know me, you know he was asking me to be part of the wedding. I actually couldn't make it because it was on my son's. It was the same day as my son's birthday. But you know, like to me, I, I would have been a little bit uncomfortable. Right. You know. Yeah. Walking sure. up in what there. What you really saying? And and it's a, a bouquet of cotton right yeah, there. Real talk. You know. So that was that was different. And you know, I don't even think he realized like the the, yeah, uh, the correlation between the, the two. correlation between the two. Do we have a lot of black friends? Uh, he's a school teacher, actually. So you know, in that in that regard, uh, in Savannah, I think um, I he think he should did. have a little. He, sh- he should be a little bit more um, aware. So, I, um, but that's but, a good that's a good topic too, though, because like that awareness thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if certain if you've been taught, if it's become a fabric of your culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and it's just how things were done. Because I think we get it's a lot of things like uh, tradition that we put in place, and we don't really know the origin of it. We don't know why it's really like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if we get away from that, I mean, you, we could be doing offensive stuff every day. You know what I mean? Like we 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 probably do offensive stuff to somebody every day. Maybe an African might be offended by how we move in this way. A, a Spanish person might be offended by how we say this mm-hmm. or say that, and we don't know because we're just not hip to that culture. You know That's what I'm true. Or you're just doing what you know. Like I wasn't meaning to be offensive. Right. Like on on a past episode, I called myself I called myself homophobic. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I listened back to it, the optics of it sounded bad. Like I'm not really homophobic, but what I was saying was that I come from uh, a society where things that deem homophobic today were normal back then. Right. You know what I mean? Certain conversations in certain rooms, no, when I say normal, within my universe, mm-hmm. the, the older men in my circle were saying like, oh, don't do that gay shit or don't do this thing. And their their sentiments probably been on track, but it's, it's come off very homophobic because they're putting these flaws on your sexuality. Well, in my opinion... Um the community in general, has, I, I think they have gotten a little bit more sensitive over time. Mm-hmm. When you say I community, mean, you talking about which kid? Um, yeah, yeah, in general. I mean, I feel like what was, when they were depicted back in in earlier time, I'm not going to say like probably no earlier than the 90s, but it was yeah, like a, it was like 90s. something that didn't have to be you know, you didn't have to have this long, drawn-out diatribe about, you know, what what was accepted and what wasn't or how you felt about this and that. And nobody, everybody just kind of did their own thing. And, and, you know, when you saw somebody that was f- from the community, you know, you, you acknowledged it, you know, but it wasn't really like a a big deal. How old are you? I'm 39. You're 39. I'm 38. Mm-hmm. How old are you, Pizzo? I'm 50. So you, you he had a different perspective because you... It, and you you grew up where you grew up in well you grew up in Virginia though Virginia so, okay. and North Carolina okay so back in <clears throat> back in your day mm-hmm. how as a young enough back in my day like I'm old as hell well I mean twelve years is, is a, yeah. a lifetime you know what I'm saying but so back in your in your time when you were young when you were sixteen I was just being born you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. so when you were sixteen outside how was it like being gay how, how did the people in your community treat <laughs> gay, being gay um the same way he described it 
Like, it, you didn't need a whole diatribe. It was like, that person is different, gay, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? It was like, and now... You, and you let them rock. And you let them, you know, but yeah, but you don't bring it this way. It was, it was, it was a, you know, like, nah, it's cool, but stay over there with Taboo that. type. You know that, what I'm saying? Is that, is that religion, though? Was that religion to play the part in that? Or, or, or do you think... It's it just, was? you know, when you brought up around older... Uh, elders, they just didn't play that. Like it was in my universe. See, the same thing I was talking be, about. They didn't, you know, they didn't tolerate it. They See? ain't play it. And they would tell, <laughs> they would say stuff like, you know, that's such such such. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Uh, he don't need to come around here with that. Keep that over there. You know, mm-hmm. just yeah. little remarks. You know what I'm saying? That you kind of picked up. Outcasted. Yeah, definitely well, outcasted. Definitely. So, uh, so speaking to that, so mm-hmm. so how you said? Because I I thought the same thing, but then I I had to keep it real with myself. Like my uncles and all that back in school, mm-hmm. like they would the whole a hey, toughen up, be a man, like all that shit was kind of mm-hmm. like rooted in that same thing. Like men can't be have any kind of like weaknesses, right? Show any weaknesses, femininity, all that was frowned upon. It's all in the same vein, you know what I mean? So I, so to your point. To, to tie it all in is that mm-hmm. I don't know if we ever I don't know I don't know if they ever had that they could just be themselves I think it was always an outcast yeah I think you know we somewhere along the line somebody equated femininity to weakness yes and somebody equated expressing your feelings and, and being in touch with your emotions as weakness yep and really that's one of the greatest strengths ever I 100% you know, agree a female can literally push out a baby Mm-hmm. So there's nothing weak about being nothing. feminine, right. you know. But at the same time, when you have when when God is giving you an assignment, and yes, I'm bringing God into it. But when you were given an assignment at birth, you know that's you know that's kind of the the direction that you naturally supposed to head, you know. In my opinion, and you know if if you choose to to live an alternative lifestyle, then that's that's totally fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's totally fine. I think that. It, it somewhere along the lines it just became like a machine like took the struggle of that demographic and said we're going to monetize this and we're mm-hmm. going to market this in a way that can generate money yeah yeah I, I think I think the world has spent into monetizing everything yeah everything has to be look at what happened with black lives matter you yeah. remember when after the pandemic and after George Floyd, every company had a Black Lives Matter commercial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They monetized the struggle. So, I right, so just 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 to offer some pushback, just for the sake of conversation. Okay, were they monetizing it, or were they doing what they thought was the right thing to do? I I think I think that um, they were probably feeling a way over the years. And as and and so when they start becoming stronger, they lash back is, you know what? Let's get them back for the years of, you know, during my time. Yeah. When they were frowned upon and they were beaten and all of that type mm-hmm. of stuff. You bring up something real important. You know what I mean? So, so is that yielding your power? <clears throat> what you mean? So as soon as you got an opportunity to, to people listening to your your issues loud enough, wouldn't you like? You know what I mean? You would, that? you would want it to, yeah. You definitely would want it to be amplified, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in, at what at what cost? I mean, when you look at what happened with Black Lives Matter, you know, there's 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 all this 
read there's all this these skeletons that have come out of the closet about that organization mm-hmm. and I think that the the monetization of it made people rush into it without doing their due diligence. Yes, I agree. You know, there's a lot of other grassroots organizations that could have probably had much more um outreach. Yeah, I think I think this us as a society, and not not just when I say that, I'm not saying black people and white people. I'm talking us society as humans in general. Mm-hmm. I think that we have grown to a place that where money has is at the top of every totem pole. Mm-hmm. It is, and, and and people people won't even show up for money without without making some money. People say, uh, "Is there money opportunity here?" Or how how even when we talk about any business, we're like, well, how can we monetize this? Mm-hmm. And we will make our next step based on a monetization versus based on what you want to accomplish. So do you think that they did that purposely because they knew that they would they can destroy it from, you know, all right, let's everybody just buy, let's buy um, sponsorship with the, with the Black Lives Matter. And mm-hmm. we get more people in and they they're gonna get confused with where the money tracks going and this and that because yeah. you know you can you know the IRS can tear you apart like if right. you make any wrong calculation of how much money you received and mm-hmm. what you put into the program so maybe that was structured maybe it was but when you're a charitable organization like they are um, you know everything is public record mm-hmm. so we see where the money's going. You know, so there's really not nothing that you can hide. So, like, it's just a matter of if you look close enough. Mm. You know, so when people start looking closely, you're seeing, oh, this went to the Democratic Party. Oh, this went to a mansion over here. And this mm. went to a, a, a exorbitant salary for the, the organizers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, close of kin mm-hmm. you know so it's a lot of questionable stuff there you know and not to say that's the only organization that operates that way i'm not throwing them under the bus in that sense but i'm just saying that you know it, there has to be some so it has to be more of a um accountability openness, openness. yeah you know so, when it comes to you know where is where is all these funds going and what is all this recognition working towards and the reason why i said i'm sorry go, go, ahead, go, ahead, go, go, ahead. go ahead it's because i have a 501c3 too right mm-hmm. So, like, you, it could be as simple as you paying for a dinner and you taking a tab, mm-hmm. right? And you didn't re- you didn't report that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, as simple as that, that could be a violation. Absolutely. So, you know, once you, I think with any charitable um, organization, if you put the microscope close, you're going to find these things. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... I think in that same realm. I don't know. I'm just, I just don't trust sometimes the media, you know. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll be like, okay, why or what was what was this whole thing was behind this whole so thing? So with, with Black Lives Matter, let me ask you a question. So with the whole thing, do you think that the, the optics of it of what this establishment did with the money versus what the message was across the globe, when you compare the two, which one matters more? Because you, you even 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 if you suspect why these companies did Black Lives Matter, but if the world like the message that that casted so wide, do you think it made any headway in our society or world at all? You don't think that message reaching? Can you name one one substantial achievement that was the direct cause of that? I mean, there's the George Floyd Act. 
I, okay. I, will yeah. get, I, I will acknowledge that. But aside from that, black people are still catching hell. We're still dying at the hands of police. That I don't think the um, I don't think the message didn't permeate um, as well as it as well as it should have. I think there should have been, um, for example, um, you remember when when the pandemic first happened, the Asians were getting attacked, mm-hmm. they, they, and they immediately dropped the Asian hate bill for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's legislation. A, there's yeah. there's no there's no um, there's no similar thing to that for uh, for black people. I agree. Um, so you think the slogan is something that we can say that may add some sort of uh, uh, yeah confi- confidence in because it do, it is true like we do matter and a lot of times that the self hate causes us to feel like we don't matter and that's why we're able to do the things that we do to each other. Yeah, that, that that's that's what I was going to I was point to. Mm-hmm. Not not that I can point to a specific thing like a legislation that was passed because of Black Lives Matter, but I think about optics wise for a kid, right? That whole thing was happening the kid that's 10 10, 11, 12, right? Mm-hmm. If the biggest thing for the last 3 years was Black Lives Matter for for the runner hat, right? Whether you be a black kid or a white kid, it can affect you positive on both sides. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? A white kid can get it, be like, you know what? It, that message, I seen that shit so much that it become, it's basically ingrained in the back of my head now. Mm-hmm. Black lives matter. So then you can take that on to your daily, daily lives, or it can empower a young kid because I a young kid like can lose all hope. But that message could pull them up out of that. I I think that it originally it started out with that intention. Mm-hmm. But it's been too diluted at this point because we allowed everybody to join in. Is it diluted because we start judging them based on what they did with the money? No, because it's it's not just black people doing it. It's yeah. not just black people in, at the helm of it. Yeah. I mean, but all, all the pushback that we offer today is based on what they did with the money. All the criticism that we gave Black Lives Matter was, is revolved around what they did with the money. And right. so, I, so for me, the question is: Is the money the bar, or is every like you know the thing that we don't know about? Because I'm pretty sure there's some things happen on the back of Black Lives Matter in, in some capacity that made some positive strides. They got some funding for some things that we'll probably never be privy to. You know what well, I mean? Well, why why wouldn't we be privy to something that we contributed to? Because the same reason why we don't know when somebody get killed two times over. Mm-hmm. There's just too much shit happening. There's too much going on in the world, and we just, you know what I mean? It don't hit our universe. We, Somebody could donate, the next town over could have donated a million dollars to a bunch of black causes, but you'll probably never know about it. That's true. You know what I'm saying? I think, um, I think for one, it was too diluted when you get, when you start, when they started throwing in all lives matter, blue lives matter, yeah, I you think, know, trans lives yeah, matter. You yeah. know, it became too diluted. Now we're, too many cooks in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and that, and 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 that's that's a great point right there. I never really kind of looked at it from that perspective. Because now you're 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 dissect you're cross you know you're dissecting the struggle now mm-hmm. into all these different categories when it really was supposed to just be a, a a full charge for this one issue like police brutality stop killing us at these traffic stops, you know. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. civil rights, social injustice, mm-hmm. all of that. For sure. And then all of a sudden, it becomes X Y Z. X Y Z. I think echo chambers is, has a lot to do with that. Like, you know, what I'm saying the reason why things get that loud. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, the blue lives matter. It's just that, and I don't, I don't think it's people. I think it's just these echo chambers because we, 
it's been proven so many times that we become our environment over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You, you could you could come to an environment, a white person can say, can grow up in the country, super racist. Mm-hmm. If you insert them in the hood and they bid it and they live that in that project around black people for 10 years, mm-hmm. they're going to be different people. They're going to have a totally different purview of black people in general. You know what I'm saying? If they got to live and mingle with them every day, their mm-hmm. neighbors, you know what I'm saying? Their optics are going to change that. So we become our environment. You know what I mean? So... With, with that, you know what I'm saying? Do you really, does people, is it the environment or is it that people are just pushing back on it? Because social media, you get online and say, oh, I, there's 10,000 people here saying the same thing that I'm saying. But 10,000 people is such a small blip in society because that 10,000 people can spread off 20 states. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And hundreds of towns. So then you're saying, oh, five people over here, 10 people over here. So the optics could be, oh, all these people are saying this thing, but really it's just 10 people from over here, 10 people from down here, 20 people from a different state. You know what I'm saying? It's so spread out. But those echo chambers can make it seem so loud. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I think with social media, it, it gives people to kind of covertly support these causes without sacrificing their public image. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, you're able to be on Facebook tweeting whatever hashtag you want mm-hmm. but then you still go to work over here in the hood yeah well, you know and then you talk. come back home and now you're like bashing the same community that you serve every day at work Fact. and those people at work don't even know you don't like them yeah you know and, and and this is what happens in and with with police officers you know they live mm. in the suburbs and then they go get a job for the police force in the hood yeah and so you know when they Go back to the go back home. They're like venting to their family about all their struggles. Yep. And then that makes somebody who's in the in the in the suburbs who never even been around that have a preconceived notion yep. about how these people are. Yep. Just based off of those bad apples that they that, deal with. That should happen with us too. With black people, we we same thing. We we get a notion of what white people are. And, mm-hmm. and our grandparents would tell us, hey, don't go over here because of this. Don't do this because of this. Or our elders. I won't say our grandparents, but our elders would mm-hmm. say, hey, you got to watch out for this. And white people do this based on their set of experience. Yeah. And we don't even, you know what I'm saying, and the world is changing so much and so fast that somebody like Pizzo's age, not not to, like, you know what I'm saying, say you old, but <laughs> I'm saying, like, Nah, you, nigga, he said from how even how close you are to our age, like you're not even not really that far away from us, but right. you grew up totally different. Society was a different place for you. Yeah, you know what I mean. In yeah. the '80s, they were different. In the '90s, they were totally yeah, different. Yeah, '80s '80s was a, a experience. Tw- the in 2000s, itself, I'm sure. The 2000s were totally different. Yeah, and now we're in the 2020, and it's still it's, again totally different. Totally, yeah, different. totally, totally different. Totally, um, it, it is back to what he was saying about. Um, you could the police officer who could be staying in the suburbs, mm-hmm. but then like, we just got an example of that of the uh, football coach from Georgia mm-hmm. that was in Atlanta went on that rant that went on that rant, you know. Oh, what I mean? the white dude is like they went downtown Atlanta mm-hmm. and saw them black people mm-hmm. and all. Yeah, that that was that was nuts. But yeah. it just he lives in bu- he lives in a bubble. You can tell he lives in the bubble. Yep, all his friends are white. Everybody he associated with is white. And nah, he was he was doing he was he had black players. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was going to his camp, so he, he, he was served. He don't look at them as equal, though. He looked at he look at them as, hey, these these kind of people do this thing, and that's not his first outburst. Obviously, you know he was yeah. 
the words flow too easily. Way right. too easy. Right. <laughs> you know, right. that, this Way. is something that he talks about with his friends mm-hmm. all the Consistently, time. Consistently, yeah. You yeah. know, and, and this is this is what we have to deal with. So there's a reason for us. Like, there's clear examples in society, more and more thanks to the cameras on our phones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's clear examples of why we can be paranoid, yeah. you know, but mm-hmm. you can't go out there and say every black father is a deadbeat. Yeah, you can't, yeah. Uh, because science will prove otherwise. Right. That, that uh, what is it called? Like, stereo- the stereotype is louder, though. Right. You know what I mean? The stereotypes yep. get Because super, hysteria super and, and, you know, you got media... The machine mm-hmm. can get behind any cause mm-hmm. and and make it seem like reality. Way bigger than what, what you know, it actually is. Echo we, we could we could we could uh, segue that into COVID. Yeah, so COVID how, is how, is is another example. How did you fare through COVID? So, COVID um, was interesting for me because my job it requires me to travel um, as a clothing salesman, mm-hmm. and I also had a baby do um in january of 2020 so my daughter was born mm. in january so you got a covid baby covid baby well i don't know if covid baby technically classifies for her because she was already conceived before the pandemic so i would think like covid baby would be like a baby that was conceived during lockdown so no i guess for me for how i define covid baby is mm-hmm. that those kids they they would they was born into a world where social shit had kind of dissipated for a second. Like okay. you said, nobody was really having these get-togethers. There was no real... There wasn't a whole bunch of birthday parties all the time. All that shit came to a halt. People mm-hmm. wasn't outside like 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 that. You know what I'm saying? We, we wasn't taking kids out to the parks no more. You wasn't... You know what I mean? Anything that revolved people, it was kind of like, ah. Mm-hmm. So my man's, his daughter is just starting to go to school. And mm-hmm. she's a COVID baby. And so now that she's in a classroom with a bunch of people... It's different. It's way yeah. different for her. Yeah, I've noticed some, um, some difference in my daughter's development versus my son's development and he he started daycare like six weeks Mm. versus hers starting daycare like eight months okay you know and it's you can see the you can see the differences um not that she's slow or anything you know what i'm saying but (laughs) but um you could definitely tell like there was some socializing um differences you know Mm. and and, um that's interesting i'm not sure how it's going to play out over time but you can definitely tell there's some differences there um but as far as me personally um, I noticed that the first thing I noticed was business. You know, the economy definitely changed. For um, sure. Our our resources changed. Mm-hmm. You know, ground beef was selling out. We couldn't find ground beef, toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Like, when did these become the these things? Yeah, you know, Real like the, the the hot commodities. You know, um, a lot of just a lot of stuff that you know people take for granted every day came super kinda, important. Highlighted. Yeah, it kind of just seemed like it was like if you if you grew up or if you just was used to just having a regular life, like none of that stuff really kind of too much threw you off. Yep, I feel like um, that's true. Cause yeah, I think if you got caught up in too much material or having the the world of like uh, convenience. Yeah, it was more panic and hysteria that was pushed from the from the media. Real mm-hmm. talk. Yeah. Cause you know at the end of the day. Who, you know, who's going to benefit from all this? You know, they're, they're, the, sto- the stores are going to benefit from us rushing out and buying mm-hmm. all the gallons of milk. Yep. And going the to eggs. Home Depot and getting boards of wood and... For all this, and, yeah, panic and, shit. And, and COVID masks. masks and all that. I started selling masks. I still got a bag of masks right there <laughs> yeah. from, from, from the first original pandemic. And, and I remember I got, like, 
I got like twenty masks for like a dollar fifty a piece, mm-hmm. and I was selling them for like ten dollars. Yeah, people just cause, buying them. Just because mm-hmm. people was just like, mm-hmm. I need masks. I need yeah. masks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, cha- like, it changed everything, man. COVID was a. Uh, I think it shifted a lot of things. Like even with the kid thing, man. My daughter. My daughter's older, mm-hmm. but even that affected her because, again, she would go to school, and, well, school shut down for a minute. Everybody mm-hmm. went away. So even the school thing, all the social structures in school, oh, yeah. just for those three years, just went away for kids. And the kids that went through that at the most impressionable time, they missed out on all those things. All they had was the people in their household to pull all their mannerisms from. Yep. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They didn't have that community. Now, us as grown-ups, we, we got years of that, you know what I'm saying, from pulling from different people. But the kids that were born in that or the kids that went through that in their most formative stages, it affected them. It, ch- it changed a lot of things. I think it was good in some ways because it kind of brought us it kind of brought us back in. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I think society kind of kind of encourages us mm-hmm. to go out and see everything but what we got right in front of us. I agree. Well, you know, that, that is the silver lining and all that. It, it did bring, it, for the for the yeah, it's, it made people come together. Yeah, it, it forced people you had to bring time. it in. You it had did. to bring it in. Yep. It, it was the real reason for the, the explosion of the um, Black Lives Matter movement. Because if it wasn't for the pandemic, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't think people would have the time to really digest mm-hmm. what happened when they seen that video with George Floyd. I think so, yes. by, by them being home... Mm-hmm. We didn't have yeah, nothing else to watch. watch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But not only watched it, but digested it. You know yes. what I'm saying? Watched it and be like, damn, this is crazy. Yeah. You sit there and talk about it. Yeah. So then you really see the real... I think white people, the reason why they a lot of people was participating in the Black Lives Matter is because when they really digested it and they start having conversation, they're like, it's real that these they 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 killing black people. It's yeah. too many situations, but I haven't really paid attention to it because you just see it in, in passing. Mm. And a lot of times, the the um the camera cuts on after the person has already been mm-hmm. killed. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin, yeah, um, who's the guy in in. Uh, in New York. The, uh, no, I w- I wasn't gonna say New York. I was gonna say the other guy when they cut on the camera and he's in his car and his girl screaming. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, I can't yeah, yeah, the name. yeah. But yeah. just the fact that it's so many t- that we can't even remember all the names is is one thing in itself. Boy, but see. you know, um, this was this time the camera was on before it all started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this time when they're looking at it, they're like, okay, we can't. Yeah, we can't just we can't justify that. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, we got so many examples of that. It just to us, but it, it's it, yeah it, to but us. We see it, but they don't feel it. Yeah, I agree. that time they felt it. Yeah, because it was a pandemic. Like yeah. it was that everybody was sitting home, and as they watched it, they started discussing it, and they couldn't they couldn't deny it because. Usually in passing, you see it, but you ain't digesting. You just oh yeah, I saw that it was copy or whatever. But when you really looking at it, and you see it, and then you have the, these discussions, then that's when I think the empathy kicks in. Mm. Now, how, I got a question for you all: How many white men have you ever seen executed in the past ten years on on camera? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. That's now. a good question. Now. It, it, now, what does that have to do with though? So the, my 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 brain first goes, no, I haven't, but why haven't I? It's, it's now, a good question. Is it because of what the internet grabs onto? Is that 
the shit that well the shit that the internet knows that I'm going to be affected by. If if I if I'm watching some shit online, the I Black mean, obviously Matter, it's out there. It, it, it's but, out there. But I think I think they have so much information on us. They know that. I'm a black man, right? Mm-hmm. I got a black daughter. All the information has been compiled over the years of just collecting our information, right? The internet is probably not going to feed me that because they, it understands that feeding me the, the, the shit that's going to be salacious to me has what the internet has become. But where, where is the white George Floyd? I don't know, man. This, again, so all right, let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked up uh, shootings that involve a white person? Have you ever? Yeah, there's there's tons of them. There's tons. I'm of not them. I'm not denying that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying, the machine again. The machine mm. is pumping this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. pumping this. The the kid on the subway that got choked out and murdered yeah. last week. Yeah. Where you don't you there's know no I mean? accountability for certain. Yeah. yeah. Why do we see more of? Overrepresentation of us of, being, of us being executed. That's a part of trauma. They setting that yeah. trauma. They setting the trauma button. They understand that they, mm-hmm. the anxiety. So when you when you when you traumatize and anxiety, you're easy triggered. That's a good point, bro. You brought up a real good point because now I'm thinking like that was I could see it being a, a intentional thing. Because like what. Why wouldn't why wouldn't we be able to rally behind a cause from a person that wasn't black? You know where is the where is the outcry? Where is the where is the push? It doesn't. They don't know. They don't look like us. Even if there was an All Lives Matter, that would it would seem like they would be bringing up cases of of all of all yeah of all walks of life. But then that that's where a lot of we it gets conflated though because we when we hear All Lives Matter. You know what I mean? And especially in response to Black Lives Matter. Trolling. They're trolling. Yeah, it just is very uh deme it's like a very um uh dismissive. They're trolling. It's a trolling. Is it a trolling? I think it's a trolling. Because why wouldn't all lives matter? Why wouldn't any life matter? So I, I think but I think when people hear so I think the same way if we hear anything, hey, white people do this, or we don't hear people do this. We hear white people. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, people hear the black thing; they just hear black. So when you hear black, they you get a, you take the opposite side. Like, well, what about me? Or well, what about this? Yeah, and, and that's that's the problem. Yeah, that's, the problem is I agree is that we're 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 not indifferent. We shouldn't be indifferent just because we're different. Yeah, we shouldn't be indifferent. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, you have a you have a you have an issue. I have an issue. You have AIDS. I have cancer. Mm-hmm. Your, does your AIDS cancel out my cancer? Yeah, but we will, we will find things to justify why our thing is more important, which it is because it's more important to us because it's our shit. Right. But it, you know what I'm saying? But when you express that to somebody else, they hear their thing is not important. And they will just take their stance like, well, no, this is important because I have cancer and, and this is all the things this that this cancer is causing me to have going on. Right. And that's where we are as as a as a um as a society, you know, it's like everybody's like, I matter first. Yeah. You know, and in a bad way, you know, as you should matter, you should matter first, but not to the not to the exception of the next I agree. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Have you seen that video that I posted? It probably was like two months ago. It was a, a white guy. He was standing in front of Walmart with a Black Lives Matter um, flag. Mm-hmm. And it was white people just kind of pulling over to the side, threatening them. 
It's in Arkansas. Yeah. I saw yeah, that. Yeah. Mm. I saw that. Yeah. So it was it was really interesting to certain things that they were saying. Like it life was threatened. Like, we'll kill you, don't be out here past dark. Yeah. You know, just like Because what they I think what they hear is they don't they don't even hear black lives matter. They hear black white lives don't matter. Right. But because they have been um conditioned. Yep. Yeah. It's conditioning. Ah, man. Because that's crazy. Other, you know, and this this is this is disrupting what the fabric of America is about. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, we were never considered to be equal a part of this country mm-hmm. in terms of citizenship. We yeah. were supposed to, we were we was over there with the livestock and the cattle, you know what I mean? Word up. And so yeah, that's you know that's that's just how that's just how how it is, man. Well, it's crazy. You know I mean, optimistic that we're gonna we're gonna uh, evolve out of this space into to a different space. Um, but anyway, on on some a little lighter. For me, okay. We gotta get up get up out of here shortly. Um, we didn't even introduce who you are first and foremost. Like, what, okay. what, what do you go by nowadays? Uh, just just Ryan. Ryan. Dad. You know what husband. <laughs> well, what happened to space? Space is still there. Space is still space there. Space is uh, space is has evolved. You know, um, I think I think where I was at the time when I was uh, when I garnered that that nickname, um, I was still figuring out who I was as a person. Wow. And um, now that I've grown, you know, I'm I'm just comfortable more so just being being Ryan. Just being Ryan. That's dope, man. Yeah. All right, and um, to tell the people, I know you do you you work with Staple. Yes. Uh, the clothing brand. Yes. So tell people what you do with Staple. I'm the Southeast sales rep for a staple um so basically uh if there's a dope store in your area hood community um and you're in my territory um i would you know shop my merchandise to your uh store and uh if it's if it is uh makes sense for the for that consumer in that area then you know the store would put in an order with me and that's dope. Know, get how, you fresh how, get how, you fresh. how long have you been working with staples uh i've been with them for Eight years now, Eight almost years. ten, almost nine, nine years. That's awesome. So, uh, I, I, what's what's the, what have you learned working with this this company? Um, you know, just to k- keep refining, keep um, keep uh, developing yourself. You know, as a brand and something that's based off of hype and emotion and creativity you know you always have to keep looking for what's new and next and you can't really get too uh complacent on just one set way of doing things right, and so, you have to be able to move with the environment so so with that right so i guess working with this company is there anything that you've learned that you've applied to your daily or or your who you are in general that you've learned along the way working with this company an example would be um they're going out and talking to people. Has that opened your eyes? I mean, do you have any examples of how this business has given you something that you apply today? That's who you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I see a lot of um, I see a lot of similarities, and when I go to different cities, mm-hmm. you know, I see a lot of how you know we can all be from different places, but still have something in common. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I take this same rack to every city across the South, and everybody's going to find something that they like out of this rack. Mm. You know, what? it might not be the same outfit, but amongst this group of clothes, these bags, these three bags right here, mm. 
I can go to Dallas, I can go to Miami, I can go to New Orleans, I can go to Memphis and sell something to everybody mm. from all of those different cities. Right. So I, I, what you going to different cities, what's the, this will be one of the last questions, but what's the biggest thing that you've noticed about just all these different cities, good or bad, indifferent? What's the thing that stands out the most about when you start traveling to all these different places, whether it be Texas or, you know what I mean, all these different states? And shopping your stuff around. Um, the hood is the same everywhere. What do you mean when you say that? I mean, um, just the same elements, same agenda, same objectives. Mm. You know, um, the hood, by the hood, I mean just the areas where people just don't really have a set agenda. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they represent something that is... Uh, very grassroots. Um, you know, we all have a, a need to uh, want to be seen, want to be fresh, want to be um, current mm -hmm. and relevant. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that's something that goes across the board for just uh, anybody from from all walks of life. Yeah, you know I what mean, I mean. I think where's we, where's Staples uh, out of? What they're out of New York. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. they. I mm -hmm. can feel that. Based in Manhattan. Okay. It's crazy when I when I first started doing clothes, right? This is way back. I first started learning about printing up shirts and all that. Mm -hmm. The dude that made Staple, the Asian guy, I, f I forget it's it. Jeff Staple. Yeah, Jeff Staple. Mm -hmm. um, I would watch Skillshare videos of him about the branding of how to set up a clothing brand. Like I pulled a lot of information from that brand way before I met him mm -hmm. and all that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, he's he's he's, you know, I I, I see him every now and then. Um, and, you know, from what I can pull from him, you know, he's, like I said, he's always looking for what's new and next, always refining, but also staying true to himself, you know, and not trying to be swayed in any particular direction too much because otherwise he would he would lose the essence of who he is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, at this point, he doesn't, like, handle, like, the designs directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we actually do have a team of designers um, okay. that we work with for like the uh, the collections and stuff. But like he'll come in on like special projects, like maybe like that that Fila shoe or I don't know if I got the other one in here. Um, or like 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 say for example like the Fila shoe or this uh, this bear brick or something like that. Mm. Uh. You know. Like stuff like that, he might he might step in and you know add his personal touch too. But, That's dope, um, man. I, I I what I do like about Staple is that his cross branding has been amazing. Yeah. I've seen Staple working with between between those to mm. to fit to uh, Fila mm -hmm. to Nike. Mm, Nike. Like he's have all kind of collaboration with yeah. so with major brands. You know, yeah, that, that's been that's been fun for me too. Like um over the over that time that I've been with them, um for us to you know be able to collaborate with some of the companies like Timberland, Coca Cola, Sprite, Fanta, New Balance, Fila, Bear Brick, um you know a lot of a lot of cool stuff that you know you kind of just would never think that you would be had the chance of. to to actually uh, work with. That's dope, man. Mm -hmm. Um, so I right, yo, uh, just to, to kind of sort of wrap it up. Um, tell people where they can find you at. You okay. Know what I mean? How to get in contact with you. Um, how to connect with you. Okay. Um, my IG is uh, Space the Great, all one word. 
Um, I also have a, uh, a fashion blog, The Vantage, T-H-A-V-A-N-T-A-G-E. Then I have a photography page, 10 to 1 Photography. That's the word 10, the number 2, the word 1, and then the word photography. Um, you know, you can see some of my uh, photography, photo shoots, stuff like that. Yeah, social media. I'm pretty much Instagram based. Um, I don't do a lot of Twitter fingers. Yeah, I feel you. I'm yeah. Instagram <laughs> sugar for me. Yeah. You know I mean? Appreciate the fish too, man. No problem, yeah, man. Yeah. Excellent chef too as well, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Pizzo, you want to give everybody your, your information where to find you or how to tap in? You want to give you a little spell about the pop program? Cause you got some dope shit going on. Uh, people need to tap into. Uh, yeah. Make sure y'all check into the pop program, man. That's paint on paper pop. Which is a nonprofit who is a violence prevention program to teach youth how to first discover the virus, anger, trauma, frustration, and put it into a rap, art, poem, song, or short story. So make sure you go to uh, painonpaper.com, check it out. Also, make sure you get you one of those uh, pop reminder bands to help you to remind yourself what you're living for. And when somebody try to trigger you, you just pop yourself so you can keep focused and make sure you can you complete and accomplish the goals that you got set for you. For sure, man. Um, That's dope. Yeah, I appreciate both of y'all boys, man. Um, yeah, I mean, Ryan, I, I appreciate you letting me pull up, bro. Uh, it's been it's been it's been a minute since we seen each other. Thank you, know you for coming, man. So you I appreciate coming. you opening your doors to me, brother. Um, great conversation, Pizzo. Always a pleasure, my man. You appreciate know I mean? it. Keep appreciate on it. working, keep it pushing. Yes, sir. Um, and everybody listening, man, this is the Unorthodox Haven, where we just sit around and have some dope conversation, man. Like just sit down, talk to people, regular people, um, about their perspectives on different topics. Uh, I feel like I. When I say that, I maybe think of your your joint piece that we were doing earlier. Oh, uh, pop that topic. Yeah, yeah. But just, just, just I appreciate conversation. I value conversations. Uh, I value different opinions. I value different perspectives on different topics. So I sit down and try to talk to people. And even if I agree with them, I try to give a little pushback, just to alter. The, I mean, just to, uh, to inspire your thought, to inspire you know what I mean self discovery, and not just locking into how we think things are or how we think we are you know what i mean we evolve we grow so fast and so much that the person you was last year ain't the same as you were this year and if you don't revisit some of these topics or these some of these situations you might still in your brain might operate that same way you did last year but until you step into that new thing you might realize that oh this is actually fun to me now or this isn't for me anymore whichever way it go so uh have conversations, man. And take little bits, bits of this conversation that you hear, and take it home, man. Talk to your talk to your spouse about it. Talk to your brother. Talk to your mother about some of the hard conversations, or just conversation in general, man. You never know what you find out about somebody. You never know what you learn. You never know what you eventually might unlearn. So, uh, appreciate y'all boys again. Appreciate everybody tuning in to the Unorthodox Haven. And until next time, peace. Unorthodox Haven, Unorthodox Haven. Unorthodox Haven. Unorthodox Haven. Unorthodox Haven. Unorthodox Haven. Unorthodox Haven. podcast.